0: Welcome back to the GP Productions podcast. welcome back to the show and today i've got a great guest on the show uh it's mr jason johnson jason how are you man
1: i'm doing well how about yourself
0: doing good and um, for people that might not know you tell us a bit about yourself
1: um my name is jason johnson they call me pro knife thrower uh i've been throwing knives since i was about 10 years old and um kinda, I, I guess you could say a bit unconventionally uh where i've always kind of grown up on the farm and out in the middle of nowhere and looked at knife throwing is just like, well, it's a spear without a handle. So if I was going to throw a spear, I'd throw it hard. Well, I'm gonna throw a knife hard too. So I kind of developed a style to make the knife easily approachable to uh, just looking at what I want to hit and throwing it. And Basically what you're doing is reducing the rotations to the minimum amount you need and uh, just cut projecting for lack of better words. So it became a thing where I guess five or six years ago now, I kind of came out of the woodwork with a deal where I, you see everybody throwing cans now and pinning uh, the, the can with a knife. And that was something I did years ago to train, to hit a moving target. And, uh, you know, if I can hit around a can this close every time, well, you know, that's great training and um, pinning it is great, but that was never the intention of the, you know, I didn't expect those results every time, and it becomes a trick shot. And then, so I did that about 20 feet back then and it kind of, brought me into this world of um subtopian knife throwing culture which has kind of developed and changed over the years now with the advent of different styles of throwing and and, uh uh, i guess the realization of what i do and and we've also take knives and and make them throw without spinning too so it's a it's a lot of fun but uh basically i'm into it because it's a primal defense mechanism that i can access really easily i mean i carry I'm a concealed carry holder in the United States. Uh, I have a pistol on me most of the time. And at the same time, having a knife as another tool in the toolbox is I always have a knife. Can't cut things with a gun. It gets real loud and it takes a long time. So <laughs> it's expensive. <laughs> but uh, you know, having a blade and being able to use that in all manners that need to be made. Um, I mean, you can I've only found one bulletproof vest that's ever stopped a knife throw. And uh, I have one. It's it's called the Safe Life Defense, but it's a flexible rifle armor system. I mean, it's ceramic plated, made for <laughs> it's it's
0: really heavy duty. So is, that, you know, is I, that the is that the one on your on the
1: YouTube page where you're doing a tutorial on it? It's kind of on a dummy. Yeah, yeah, I did a, a couple tests on there. Uh, I did one for Safe Life Defense, which they make like um, casual clothing that's bulletproof, which is cool. I got a leather jacket from them, floating around somewhere. Uh, but the other guys are more serious, dedicated vests. And I've tested a lot. I, I do a lot of uh, classes on time to time when I'm not at home knife making, and a lot of them are uh, with military types and police officer types because I also teach close quarters disassembly. You've probably seen me on the show. We talked a bit before about knife or death uh, competition cutting show. Well, I grew up on the farm. Using a blade is just second nature to me. And then it's become to where with a martial arts background that stems from logic and actual application. I will tell you, there's no 50-step knife fighting program that's going to make you a juggernaut and like untouchable. It's not; it doesn't work that way. Real combat's two silverback gorillas colliding in battle. Well, that's why I try to use logic in that realm of mitigating the circumstances that are that you encounter on a daily basis. I mean, knife crime in the UK alone is is horrendous. Oh, and, it's crazy, even here in Ireland now at the moment. Yeah, it's really bad. Yeah. And and it's much different than a gun crime because with a gun you get shot, but you don't see it. It's not visible. Like it's visible, the person's laying there, but there's not blood everywhere. Like a knife is blood everywhere. The first sight of blood, people run, and it causes chaos. And so it's much more visually shocking uh, in the society sense as well, as opposed to just a shooting. Somebody across the street might come out not knowing what's going on, think that my person might might need medical help instead of been shot. So there's all kinds of Um, things that go along with knife associated crime Mm -hmm. and usage that is a lot more devastating in in the eyes of people that view it you know what i mean so at the same time i've seen videos where i mean we talk about edge geometry and i've been in classes where i'm teaching folks how to use a knife on a on a hog and i mean i throw a knife and bury it to the handle in a hog skull and you know, where there's not a skull, it pulls the handle into the carcass. So, I mean, imagine me throwing a saber tooth at you and uh, it it pulling the handle inside of your body. So, but, you know, the, and that's a one pound knife, but it's razor sharp. So that's kind of, but I can show you videos where a guy takes a cleaver. And it's a crime. I mean, like this is a, the guy that was there next to him, he might've seen the video. It was a concealed carry holder. He had his side turned. Guy came up with there. you ever seen a, um, we call we used to call them cock splitters. But what they were is a, a big meat cleaver that has a long handle on it, It's a big thick three-eighths-inch blade. And it's made for splitting bones and like the coccyx yeah. of a cow and just for bone separation. Not meant to cut. The edge on that thing is like this. There's literally no edge on it. And uh, the guy came up and hit her in the neck with it. And she got up and ran off and pulled in her neck. I could show you a blade that I cut a hog in half with in one swipe, and it didn't even swing on the rope so edge geometry means everything and a lot of times it's like well how can you tell what that knife's going to do when it's just a flash you can't Mm -hmm. you know what i mean so like i show cops like well this butter knife's not going to go through your vest but all of a sudden it's sharp and now it will (laughs) you know so (laughs) never take something at what you think is value take it for what actually it is and, and treat a knife like a close quarters gun basically i mean you think about it so it's a but at the same time, I can show somebody how to throw a knife really effectively And under ten feet. There's no question, um, you can't move. It's it's it's. I'm tracking you till the knife leaves my hand, and under ten feet, it's just like throwing a baseball heart at somebody. You know? yeah. And I mean, if you're proficient in throwing baseballs or throwing rocks as a kid, it's the same kind of deal. I mean, it's it's something already written inside people's um, little cavemen's inside to throw something, and you're yeah. scared. You pick something up and throw it to try to keep the bad stuff away. Well, that's already written and people don't stop their hand and throw. Well, it's the same thing when I'm projecting a cut. If you've seen some of the videos where the crazy stuff that I do, um, we throw knives through some stuff, man. And it's it's pretty cool to see what physics can translate into what can actually be done. So is it a primal defense mechanism that's attainable? Yeah. Is it something that you have to train a bit to do? For sure. But it's not super complicated. It's really simple. And um, it's very devastating. If Once you learn that, you realize... Well, I can have a can of soup in any non-permissive environment in the world, and I can put you in the hospital with flail chest with just one throw. So, yeah, absolutely. You, you know I mean? Yeah. When
0: when you touched on uh, crime, obviously you've heard before about crime in the, the UK and Ireland, and when we hear stories from America, it seems to always be gun crime. Is is knife crime a smaller issue in the states?
1: Well, I mean, I would tell you like this, uh. Knife crime in the states happens, but it doesn't fit the agenda for what people are talking about. Sorry, I'm grabbing some goodies. If my face is too (laughs) close, yeah, it's not as heard of. Um, but I would tell you that like reality has not really been heard of in a lot of cases either. When they want to make something the agenda, you know what I mean. So you guys have knife crime there really bad, but I would probably contest. And if I looked up the numbers or asked some buddies, they might be able to tell me what the numbers are in blunt blunt instrument crime baseball bats crowbars chains pipes things like that probably is there or above knife crime uh in everywhere just because it's easily to access you know i mean i can have a tire iron in the back of my car yeah and it's totally legal you know what i mean where if i have like a a crusader bowie in the back of my car it's probably not quite as legal you know yeah
0: so where you live in america can you carry any of those blades around with you in public
1: oh yeah Um, yeah so the rule in most states except for free ones is three and a half inches inside of the pocket can be concealed if it's not concealed it must be visible from three sides now a lot of people don't know that because the police can lie to you to tell you whatever they want to get you to incriminate yourself but if it's on a pocket with a pocket clip you've seen knives with pocket clips and it's visible from three sides not concealed so and I carry a cold seal, of XL in my right pocket. Cause it's the only knife that really folds. It has a wave on it. So it's a seven inch blade, but I look at that as like, if I get stabbed in the back and I have to pull something out for close quarters, I want it to cut off whatever just stabbed me. So, you know, saber tooth, baby tooth, um, stuff like that. I'm always going to have a more formidable weapon than my enemy. And that is here as well, because awareness mm-hmm. is your first, you know, uh, when I train guys, I talk about, um, circumstance, situation, intention, and ability. Those those things should rattle through your brain every time you come into walk down the street. What is the circumstance I'm in? What is the situation going on around me? What is the intention of the person they have and the ability to carry it out? So and those things go back to 16th century martial science with Miyamoto Masashi. So it's the same kind of, you know, like you heard a, one of our famous military generals say, and he's a great quote, when I walk into a room, I have a plan to kill every single person in that room. You know what I mean? So yeah. at the same time, it's, it's just an inward reflection of of awareness of, you know, and it, it sums up in a really roguish, manly way, well, keep awareness up, you know, know what's going on around you, have the ability to, to protect yourself and others if needed. So, mm. um, but yeah.
0: I So are you kind of, would you be like that all the time? Would you always be kind of looking at your surroundings and being kind of not on edge, but just...
1: Yeah, just not it on edge. I mean... At the same time, it's like, well, if I'm cooking in a kitchen or let's say I'm making knives, you were just down there when I was, oh, oh crap, I got to pull a knife out of the oven. Those are 1500 degrees. If I drop that on the ground, well, would I be on edge if I had a fire extinguisher? And would I be on edge if I knew that that was there? Maybe not so much. You know, I can know I can put it out, whatever. Well, it's the same thing if your awareness is up. It's the same thing if you have the capability to defend yourself and others. I mean, because of the way I look at it, man, if you're a free American citizen and you have the ability to defend yourself and a third party, you you should. Because the first responders come after the call is made. So, you know, you are your first responder. I mean, I carry a 2011 staccato on a daily basis. This is (laughs) my... Okay. This is my carry pistol. So, yeah. you know, it goes with me everywhere. And should I need it? Hopefully God never happens, it, but it's there. You know, yeah. I have medical gear in my truck. I have, you know, whatever. So uh, yeah. I, I was laughing at like they had uh, those guys that were shut down in Colorado. They had that whole highway shut down for like a winter storm or something happened. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, wintertime. What's going on? So everyone's stranded there wondering if the state was going to come help them. I'm like, your car's running. There's gas in it frolic into the woods with your axe cut down tree branches off dead trees that are hanging because they'll be dry even in the winter time build yourself a fire if you get cold come back to your car warm up for a little bit have other people help you before you know it, you'll have a little village and you can have four fires built all around you and you can stand in the middle and just be warm instead of freezing your asses off sitting there doing nothing waiting for someone to come save you you know so i just that mentality is where i live you know yeah
0: yeah um can I just talk to you about I, when I was researching obviously and we do have a lot of pro western guests on this podcast. Yeah, well, I saw you guys
1: some really cool folks on Yeah.
0: And I seen that you were on Knife or Death with uh, Bill
1: Goldberg. What was that experience like and how did you find Bill? Uh Bill's a great guy, man. He he if you watch the show, I think the funniest thing to me about the show was that um Bill couldn't keep up with me and he's hilarious to listen to. Um he's, he's a family man. He's got kids, you know, and all that stuff. We've become pretty good friends and, uh, yeah, Bill's just a hoot to be around. He's all around genuine guy, uh, super big talker, real big presence. You know, every time you come into the room, you know, he's, uh, he he likes to play practical jokes and sneak around and play, play around with people and all He's a great guy. I mean, just totally yeah. super genuine dude. Uh, um, yeah, like I was telling you before he, come up behind me at like i think blade show or something and just bear hugged me like this and pick me up and i had a blade in my hand and i, I was like oh hey bill <laughs> he was like oh god i didn't even see that and i was like it's okay you know but it was fun and uh i don't know bill's he's just cool as hell man uh, yeah. that show knife for death was really interesting they they uh they told me a 14 inch blade maximum which is why i have a 14 inch bladed kukri and then when i got to the show everybody had swords and i was like why swords and they're like Shit changed and i was like okay you know nothing beats a kukri as you saw the proper made kukri is great but i could make that same kukri shape and it would suck because the edge geometries mean so much you know so um but yeah it was a great time uh, i'll never get the smell of dead fish out of my nose and uh, uh there were some surprises there if you noticed um the first time i went through that stupid black hanging bucket yeah i was exactly. like oh it's a bucket Whap! and there was three quarter gravel in that in that bucket three quarter inch gravel and i was just like oh! they told me verbally over the phone nothing ferric that would destroy or damage your blade i was like great oh, so, so you, you guys had no idea like, like,
0: oh no nobody
1: had that. any idea mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that rocks were going to be in the bucket so they got me once but they let us kind of fix our blades in between. Like if it was short, okay. you could resharpen your blade. Cause I mean, you're cutting sheet metal and rocks. That's astronomically stupid for anybody that knows anything about wanting to preserve the edge of their knife. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so they let us kind of touch them up in between. We had like five minutes we could do on them. I'm like, wah, 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 done, you know, whatever. My kukri was pretty stout. Cause it was an apple seed edge, you know, instead of just a flat grind, it had a bit of an apple seed to it. So I could just slack belt it pretty quick and, uh, went back on and, uh, they had given us, you know, time to sharpen our blades. And the second time I hit that bucket, I was like, you bastards aren't going to get me this time. So I'm just going to cut the very bottom layer off of the bucket. Right. Yeah. I'm a carpenter. I've been a carpenter all my life. I know exactly how high to aim on the side of a bucket to cut the very bottom layer off and not damage my blade on the rocks then, that are probably going to be in it. Who knows? It might be nails or something else in this thing. Yeah so i went slice and it just dropped off and nothing happened and i'm like what And you hear me on the show go what the fuck I <laughs> because perfect slice yeah two-layer bucket it was a, a hollow walled bucket there was like one inside another and it's because they probably figured somebody was going to come up there and slice the bottom of it off well which is exactly what i did so i looked at it for a second then i kept going and cut it up it was more rocks i was like whatever yeah. man at that point it was just put your blade through whatever they put in your way and keep going so but it was a blast man i had a lot of fun there um unfortunately the next season that aired they kind of got a bunch of people from mom's basement and it didn't seem to work out so well so
0: yeah they're done i think was the three seasons and then it, it, it that was it wasn't
1: it yeah i think season two killed it i was talking to one of the producers and just whoever was picking the talent didn't do a good job you know what i mean so were it's
0: they? Just, I, I didn't see season two, but were they trying to make it more of a reality based, like
1: every? Yes, and then the the, the 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 yeah, I guess, and then the people that were on it were just like, no offense to any of those people, if you're watching, but yeah, I'm a serious blade user. There were people on there that were theatrical people and like yeah, yeah. cut hair their whole life, you know. Yeah. I, so I didn't I mean, see it, but I, I'm not surprised. Yeah, I <laughs> didn't watch. It. I watched one episode, and I was just like, oh lord, so. Yeah. I'm done with that but um but yeah man it's a uh, oh we've been working on all that stuff and then since then i mean the natural progression of things was to make knives and this is a a saber tooth a 1095 version that's backwards in my screen but uh a 1095 version of a saber tooth that i made and this is a that flat ground tanto point it's kind of an american tanto but uh yeah that's a red mm-hmm. and black one we make them in a and other colors as well. And then I make a smaller version of it too with a four inch blade. So and you, you sell all these through your website as well, don't you? Yeah, pronifethrower.com is my website. I've got a I've got a a, a tomahawk that's out. Uh, the primal habitat utility cutting tool. And I will say, you guys can probably get it in Ireland because it's actually a bushcrafting tool. They, um, they probably
0: they probably seize it in Ireland coming in customs. Do
1: <laughs> you think they would? They, they, can you go to the store and buy an axe or a knife anywhere? Well, you can buy
0: like uh, you can buy an axe. Like uh, you can still buy knives and axes. But I've just seen on um, on some of the shows on TV when people try to bring swords into this country and stuff like that, they don't really they take even them through the mail. The airport. I don't know through the mail, but I've seen uh, a few of these airport shows, and they just take them off them in Ireland anyway, for sure.
1: You know, I'm a pretty good historian, and I would tell you that that's not your culture to allow that to happen. <laughs>
0: yes, I'd say I'd say it can be hidden in the mail somehow if people do. Yeah,
1: we'll just send it as a camping tool, because that's what yeah. it is. I mean, a knife is a tool. How are you going to cut your meat? But uh, I make a the primal, which is great because it has a I, I calculate slope of a knife off of decimal points instead of angles so this blades a quarter inch at the spine but the slope of it is backwards uh, the slope of it is a a 180 thick slope so uh if i were to measure an inch off this blade edge it would be 0. 0.180 thick so that's how i calculate that slope angle that i'm actually making the knife with so with the tomahawks there are 200 slope now this is a 185 and that quarter inch thick spread that grind across two and a half inches almost of steel. So you can imagine a two hundred slope is just slightly under that, which allows it to pass through things really easily. So when you're using that tomahawk, it uh, it cuts and chops better than uh, anything. And it's probably mm. have one somewhere that's in progress. I probably show you. Yeah. Uh, those are on the website right now. I'm kind of out of everything else because supply chain. Supply chain. I don't know about you guys. And, is it uh, is
0: it going crazy over there because of COVID and all that stuff? And is everything? Yeah, I mean, all
1: the prices going up and stuff like that. Yeah. At this point, I don't even think it's COVID related. You know what I mean? I yeah. think it's just control yeah. related. Yeah, everything so, was
0: everything was blamed
1: on COVID. Like the cost yeah. of living here has gone through the roof. Like and. But remember, and I remember was, in nineteen eighty something when when what's his bucket said that you could get the AIDS by standing by somebody with it. <laughs> that was the same dude that created it. So, I mean, hey, yeah, whatever. Here's one I got. This is right. This is just got done normalizing. So, this is a primal habitat utility cutting tool. And that just got done normalizing in the oven to be ready for heat treatment. So, uh, we turned all the martensite to per or all the austenite to perlite, and then we'll turn that to martensite. Um, they'll be pretty bitchy. Uh, I don't have any there, but I know they're on my website, but I would say, um, yeah, there's nothing that's gonna outperform those tomahawks in the bushcraft world just because well, I made them around bushcrafting was a carpenter my whole life. Um that's why they don't have a beard so they don't get caught in shit when you especially mm. plunge it into organics. I can plunge it in the forehead of a hog and pull it right back out, like it just slips right out. So it's mm. it's a great tomahawk. Plus that tip uh has a 350 slope on it. So that means it's a lot steeper of a grind. And what that does is allows it to Uh, be useful for breaking the surface tension of something I'm chopping into like stabbing it with a knife yeah and then it makes it not slip off my cut like if I'm cutting wood and I have that hook you know on the edge it allows it to kind of catch but it still cuts well so you don't slip off your cuts and that's great for making notches and and doing fine work and stuff but uh man those things are cool you flip around backwards and throw them into a tree and climb up it so (laughs) it's it's dope man they uh i just wanted something that worked really well with the bushcrafting because i i do that a lot i like i like old school stuff like that and so away we go but i got some new stuff coming into the market too uh tops knives is going to make an archangel bowie and i'll make some of those too i don't have any here but it's basically a 21 inch guard bowie <laughs> would probably serious, be serious serious business yeah i mean uh, you remember you ever heard the story of david bowie yeah you heard about that guy's a frontiersman or whatever well that knife he had was a bowie knife but the bowie knife didn't get its start as a knife it looked like this it was a broken sax sword and they reshaped it down to make it something usable well that's how bowies came to be was they were broken swords and they were you know cut down blades and this happens to be this bowie here happens to be a within uh, a quarter inch of David Bowie's broken sacks in the museum. So pretty cool. Proper Bowie yeah. size. So, I mean, it's kind of – certain things are kind of written into our our structure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So it just it's fun to see those things transcend uh, lines of history and culture and all that stuff. So Yeah.
0: Can you talk to me about the, the knife community, say, the pro knife community and – tournaments and different things like that how big is this community and how big is this world because it's not something that i'm overly familiar with myself you know that's why i'm curious to
1: know yeah that's a good question so that was a question to me when i first started too because i've been throwing knives my whole life and never really knew anybody else did taught myself taught my own way of throwing based upon power accuracy and deliverability well then, I come out of the woodwork, and there's this whole knife throwing community. And I was like, "Great!" And they're like, "Yeah, you need to come to a competition. Here's the distances, all this stuff. We're gonna—it's like kind of a setup competition." And I was like, "Cool." What's it based on? And they're like, "Accuracy." And I'm like, "Okay." So to me, that's not everything. You know what I mean? That's not what I. Accuracy is great, but a knife throw is like a, a hand grenade. Hmm. So when I'm throwing a knife that weighs over a pound or just at a pound. And hit you with it i want the impact to be so i've always looked at mine as a combative application well they have knife throwing but it's target based like circus that's knife throwing. One.
0: yeah and so the whole thing
1: i'm all ready to go to the competition in austin texas and then a guy tells me no no you got to flip these knives a certain amount of times by certain every line it's more another spin and i'm like wait you guys make your knife spin three revolutions in 23 feet or um nine meter uh, how many be nine meters right yeah nine meters I think it's 23 feet and I'm like I, I can't even make my knife spin more than once in that distance and so I had to learn basically how to throw rotationally which I use this like modified pinch grip and I let my knife flip and so your first distance is one spin so it spins once and the second distance is a flip and a half so you're holding it by the blade so they won't let you have sharp knives which fine whatever and So it became a whole other style, a whole other thing. And I would equate it to darts. And I said, screw this. I'm going to go learn from the best person in the world at this, which is a guy over in uh, UK uh, by the name of uh, John Taylor. And then another guy here in the United States named Pat Minter. And so I decided to seek those two guys out and they kind of showed me the way like Yoda of this style of knife throwing, because To me, it's completely, absolutely horseshit, but it's fun, (laughs) right? It's fun because it's so accurate. I mean, that's the only thing that made it so fun for me was it's so accurate. I can sit there and hit, I have a YouTube video where I hit five beer bottle caps with one knife from 10 feet in 45 seconds. So it's very accurate when you do it in a reproducible manner. And it's the same accuracy up close as it is far back, which makes it so fun because it's the same essence that I'm picking up uh, a piece of candy and throwing it in your mouth that feel of, Hey, Hey, you know, and you, you're placing the weight like darts. And so yeah. that's fun because you can take a knife and it doesn't matter what mark you're at two and a half spin, two spin, three spin, whatever. And you're just throwing it like an object. So I don't think of it. It flips anymore because I design knives to flip the same at every distance, every meter. It goes by meters. I think it starts at two, three, four, five, six, seven meters. Yeah, and then nine meters it goes back to in, in tomahawks. But uh, I seven meters is 23 feet. So, um, so yeah, it, it becomes really fun because it's very accurate. You don't have to throw hard. It's super relaxed. It's like drinking beer knife throwing, you know. And yeah. but, but I learned that method of, I mean, dude, me and Pat Mentor sat there hitting beer bottle cap after beer bottle cap. I'll tell you a story. My buddy Danger, Brandon Danger Dillon, he and i went to a knife throwing competition in pennsylvania have you ever heard of the game silent hill yeah yeah seen the movie silent hill that is based off a town in in centralia pennsylvania it's a real town and the the mines that were there started on fire and they started on fire below the ground and it burned nobody actually really died in the real fires but it kind of set the stage for this whole story and so it's a condemned town the government owns it there's actually fires still burning to this day underground. it's a really eerie place to visit well there's like four people that still live in the town. The church from the movie is the church from Silent Hill. It's completely creepy and really cool. So we went there and we like messed around, threw some knives in Silent Hill, let it be like a thing. We would go back to his place. we catch a second wind because we have been driving for like 12 hours. Get back to his place, have a few beers and start throwing knives at beer bottle caps. We hit 137 beer bottle caps in three hours from just throwing knives. So, you know, it, yeah, it's fun. It's a, that's the only thing I think that keeps me doing the competition. I call it rotational, but competition style, Um, which, you know, you can teach pretty much anybody to do. And it has a lot in common with the way that I throw already because their first distance, which is 10 feet or uh, is it three meters? Yeah. Three meters is 10 feet. They, they, they have, like if I were to throw a foot, I would have a combative grip. Right. Meaning if I have awareness, because at 10 feet, you have awareness. If I'm going to make a throw 10 feet away, I see the guy coming. He's running at me with a baseball bat or coming at me with whatever. I'm going to pull my knife like this in case he closes the gap so I can cut him apart. At the same time, if I project that throw forward in just a regular throw, it's that same grip. It's mm-hmm. not, it doesn't change. So I'm just projecting that cut forward one rotation into, you know, my what I call my oh shit distance is 10 foot or less anything closer than 10 foot it doesn't spin at all so as it if he closes that gap I just put my thumb on the spine and if you've seen that hundred deadly skills book by Clint Emerson I, I there's QR codes in the video in the book that take you to videos but that, that closer than 10 foot distance so when see if I can do this it's backwards in my screen so if I were to throw my knife would just slide slide out of my hand like that as I'm cutting so then it would just travel straight that cut never changes it always stays a cut and that uh that is a really that that 10 foot gap is we there's like a little paradox there where my style and that style go together so that one distance it one rotation so i just lazily lob it onto the target like you're throwing clothes in the hamper and you'll be fucking accurate man and you can use that same feeling all the way back to 23 feet and still be hitting a four inch bullseye just think dink dink and it's it's cool so but that's a huge difference in the style so And are you doing a lot of training yourself now? Are you training people
0: to throw knives these days? Yeah,
1: um, we did the Protector Symposium recently. We did another event um, in Missouri. I got a bunch of stuff going on this year, but uh, just been slow to get schedule started because, man, supply chains are just crap right now. So it's been kind of slow. I haven't. I've just been not filling a schedule. I've, I've got a lot of things I need to be doing, but I haven't put it in a schedule yet because I'm trying to get knives made and shit in stock and all that other stuff because it's just been tough. But uh, yeah, we do a lot of training with uh, in different groups. I mean, I'm not going to train a group of kids the same way I'm going to train a group of SF guys. At the same time, most of the time, the things that guys in higher level are like, I'm not going to teach a cop defensive knife throwing. I mean, if he wants to learn it out there after the end, that's great, but I'm going to teach him how to, Basically, survive having its weapon fall out of battery. Somebody over the top of him taking his life force away from him. The only time he's actually able to use a knife for self-defense, which is when it's last resort. So, you know, we'll teach him what to cut, where to cut, how to cut apart stuff, so he doesn't just do this. Or what a lot of guys do is they have a knife in their hand and they forget because it's so light, and they just resort to punching or palm striking or whatever, and they forget they even have it. So, you know, teaching people how to use the blade as a zipper and what to cut apart. And how to dig basically i mean if i i'm not gonna you know what if i pull a blade out close quarters it's going to be either like this with the blade towards me blade edge towards me or like this with the blade edge away from me to cut away from me with awareness yeah. and to pull into me if it's elbow to elbow because i'm just going to grab you up and you know what i mean i'll be pulling i'll be opening once i stab in i'm going to cut it open you know what i mean so um knives without choils A knife with a choil is a tool. A knife without a choil can be used in a self defense manner. You know what I'm talking about? Those little sharpening choils. Yeah. Yeah. And it gives the company or the maker a place to stop the sharpening, which is great, but it gets caught in every piece of skin, every filament of hair, every bit of clothing and fabric that you can think of, and it will stop your cut. It's super annoying. So (laughs) (laughs) I prefer them without choils. I'd rather have them just stop cutting, pull out a little bit, and keep going, you know? So, yeah uh but yeah i mean there's there's the the tool that you use i mean you know dude i was a carpenter all my life i can throw a hammer and take you on the ground you know what mm-hmm. i mean so it, yeah. it just depends on like i said a, i could have a three-quarter inch wrench in my back pocket too what's you know so but the the ability to use something thrown as a primal defense mechanism imagine if i had a 5160 ball bearing in my pocket like this yeah. Oh, i can have that it's a machine part you know And so if somebody's closing the gap, trying to hit you with the knife, try to get the hell out of there. But if you don't have no way to get out of there, well maybe consider hitting him with something really hard before he can cut you, you know? So yeah. maybe have two. Got a couple balls. (laughs) You want one? And I'm just saying, it sounds funny, but dude, I mean, I remember, come on, like you've seen the movie It with Stephen King, they throw rocks at the bully. Everybody's thrown a rock or a, 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 a projected weapon, so. Uh, that's just something to consider. And I mean, you've seen that baseball pitch where it hit that bird and the bird oh. turned into oh. feathered. It was fantastic. Oh, see see oh, yeah. There was a, a MLB, was just a once in a million opportunity where the guy threw the pitch, probably 87 mile an hour fastball, and a bird flew right in front of it <laughs> and no hit. Way. Yeah. Exploded the bird. So,
0: yeah. I, I, mean, should, I, should, I
1: shouldn't be laughing, but uh, when was that? oh god in the 90s okay right yeah so it's it's totally laughable like it's been yeah. long and the bird had you know next of kin it was yeah. fun <laughs> but yeah man it's uh it's a thing to learn is like dude at the same time i've seen uh, people have given me stuff off cartel members from south of the border that was just a piece of quarter inch or three-eighths rebar that was bent over on the top flattened out for my thumb and turned into a spike and that spike barely yeah. stick out past my palm because I can hit you with it and rip, hit you with it and, rip, and just tear you apart. So at the same time, it's uh, you know, it's about the amount of damage. You can see stuff where you know I train guys a lot where, look, you can see, here's this video of a guy getting stabbed 25 times. And why isn't he dying? What's going on? Explain to me the process. What is happening with this guy's brain? What is going on with the fact that he's still alive? And once you understand those things and you realize there's a big difference between a cut that disables and a cut that injures. So we have to discern those things and actually what is going on. So if you're able to use a knife or have to use a knife for real self-defense and be able to actually do it, you know what to do because you can leak for a long time. At the same time, I can make one stab in one special spot and you go down pretty quickly. It's all about what you're hitting. It's all about the insights. It's like if your oil filter is getting bad, well, that's great. It can get bad for a while. It'll still keep running. I've seen oil come out of engines that were just sludge and still running. But if I kick the a hole in the radiator and you overheat, well, that's going to take just a, a short time, you know, real short time. So same time I can cut a fuel line and you're done. You know? <laughs> so, it's, it's like that. And, uh, yeah. It really makes a difference. Uh, if I stab in, I'm cutting out and that's for self-defensive mechanisms. And I, you know, we have to, we have to get away from like the old school method of, because it's, you know, it just doesn't work. It it doesn't go back to the 16th century. Go back to the 17th century. How did we use blades on a battlefield? What were we doing, cutting people down? So you know, you the, it was said in the 16th century, I reserve my blade for stabbing when it's too dull to cut. So stabbing the face was a technique, and stabbing the face of a blade with a blade that was too dull to cut because they hit too much armor it hit too much other blades steel it just won't cut anymore stab them in the face because it's unprotected usually you can hit somewhere here if you hit anywhere in these cavities there's voids there that your blade will easily travel into the eye cavities you know the the nose nasal cavities got a slit but basically you got a t-shape here that's easy to put things in and they all guide to the back of the brain (laughs) so it's uh it's a it's a bloody science man but um the same time it's uh something we've all come from you know what i mean yeah we're, we're all there before so
0: jason that it was an absolute pleasure to talk to you today man it was totally different from the podcasts i normally have but it was very yeah,
1: very Being on there i'm like wow that's yeah. really cool <laughs> he's a cool guy. so you just,
0: cool. yeah i've just been there. Uh, been lucky enough to uh, find some interest to in people mostly from the states man because i think i think when i'm talking to guys in the states the, the fact that i'm from ireland i think is an advantage for me for getting an
1: email back yeah yeah that's funny um yeah you know that's people have a fascination with accents i've i've been known to talk a bit irish myself you know whatever you go but, yeah, yeah or or, or australian or english or whatever people yeah i mean i was a telemarketer when i was 17 if you want somebody to talk to you talk to them in an an australian or an english accent or something like that people listen to you yeah Uh, an old boss told me that i'm like why he's like well because it's not normal you know (laughs) so it's not what they're used to so if you were to go to france and you heard some beautiful woman talking in a french english you'd be like oh would you listen to that you know (laughs) But uh, <laughs> yeah, man, it's, it's, it's interesting human culture, but we're all the same. You know, we all want freedom. We all want, you know, civil liberties and rights and, and to be able to uh, have free market. I mean, shoot, I can't hardly post a video of knife throwing on, on the internet anymore without being shut down. So it's, yeah, uh, we're I all in the same. It's pretty, pretty
0: sensitive. Isn't it? even YouTube is very
1: sensitive. Yeah, things, man. Like I, I've, like... had, I've had videos taken down really for, pe- for people talking about smoking weed for fuck's sake. Oh yeah. Well, I would say this is like as long as the citizens of the world can remember that we're citizens of the world and they're the communist rulers <laughs> that are trying to that we're separate. We love y'all. You know what I mean? And so yeah. like like the citizens of Russia. I'm not mad at them. I'm not mad at, at any of the you know, like so as long as we keep it separated and realize that like, hey, even in World War Two, the, the Germans and the American troops were singing Christmas songs together. You know what I mean? Yeah. That happened so yeah. uh, you know we're all the same yeah and if people want to look at your stuff jason can you give your website a, a shout out there just so people know and i'll put it underneath this video as well well i appreciate it uh pronifethrower.com is my website you can find me pretty much anywhere instagram as on proknife thrower as long as they let me stay and uh um i'm kind of getting censored here and there but uh we'll, be, we'll still be plugging away and uh I got some training classes and stuff going on. We got uh, 100 Deadly Skills, the book out there, which with Clint Emerson, which is a great book. If you want to do tutorials on stuff, I mean, what I train folks to do, you can throw anything with the point. So check out the 100 Deadly Skills book, as well as my website. Uh, New products coming out. You guys should probably be able to order. uh, Right now, there's still primals available, but uh, yeah, be careful. My blades are sharp. So (laughs) as always, you know, watch your fingers. (laughs) Jason, thanks so much, man. Yeah, I appreciate you. Thank you, Martin.